May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. When I was in high school, I had a friend named Kylan. He was the president of the Christian Club. I was the president of the Gay Straight Alliance. And to give you some context, this was recently enough that queer teenagers were not, as a whole, worried about dying of AIDS, but far enough away that queer teenagers were, as a whole, sincerely worried about dying like Matthew Shepard. It was very strange for me to be friends with the president of the Christian club. But it was through his evangelism that I became a Christian. In the gospel reading today, we hear about Jesus' street team. He sends out a bunch of people ahead of him so that when he comes to town, folks will have already bought their metaphorical concert tickets. What does he tell his street team to do? Go find reasonable folks who treat you hospitably, do good things for them, heal their sick, then tell them the kingdom of God is near. Don't worry about the people who are jerks. They aren't worth your time. The Bible doesn't say anything about wheat-pasting posters with Jesus' face on everything, but I think we can pretty much take that as read. Life's a little different for us now than it was in the first century. Jesus is speaking to specific people in this story. Presumably, we are not literally supposed to read this and then go out barefoot and empty-handed, like, hey, will you give me a Metro card swipe? Have you heard the good news? But we are supposed to share the good news. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's one Jesus-approved way to do it. I'm pretty sure it doesn't involve chick tracks. You guys remember chick tracks? These little tracks that hand you at the grocery store. They always took the most anti-Catholic stance possible, and then sometimes they suggested that Dungeons and Dragons really summon demons. No, was it only I got these? Okay. Maybe I just look like someone who needs a tract. But it can't hurt to start with what Jesus says here. Do good things for people. Then tell them about the kingdom of God. That alone is terrifying. I say it's terrifying as the daughter of an atheist and an agnostic, as the spouse of an atheist, as the goddaughter of a Jewish person, long story, and the friend of innumerable people who are not Christian. I do not particularly want to tell any of these people or people in general about the kingdom of God. I'm pretty sure they already know probably from a chick tract, unlike first century Palestinians who genuinely did need the information. But Jesus isn't exactly silent about this stuff. He doesn't talk about queerness. He says not a word about abortion, but evangelism he talks about. He does not say that we are allowed to just think good, pious thoughts, and figure that everyone else will sort it out for themselves. In fact, he is pretty much explicit that it is our job to evangelize. And he is pretty much explicit about what happens to people who don't know and hear about him 
The gospel reading for today skips the following verses conveniently, which come after the proclaiming the kingdom of God bit, but before the 70 show back up high on their ability to ruin demons. Quote, I tell you it shall be more tolerable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. That's hard stuff. It's hard stuff, and it's stuff that has led a lot of Christians over a lot of years to do awful, awful things in the name of God. And I'll level with you. I pray for universal salvation every night. I believe in a loving and forgiving God. And I cannot conceive of how such a God would actually follow through on those threats. I can only believe that they're hyperbolic. That someday in the fullness of time, in ways beyond our conception, everyone will be brought into his loving embrace. But Jesus does say these hard words. And we have to reckon with that. And just a few verses earlier, we heard this last week, I think, he tells someone whose father has just died, who is in the depths of grief, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's dead serious about this. And Paul reminds us in the reading today, if you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. Well, we're called to evangelism then. This is our duty. And this is one of the ways we'll sow to the Spirit. But how can we possibly evangelize? How can there possibly be a pluralist evangelism? Doesn't evangelism always end up creating an in-group and an out-group, an us-versus-them kind of a mentality? Because in order to evangelize, there must be an us evangelizing to a them. I think there's another attitude to take. Jesus says all these hard things, but what does he actually tell people to do? He tells people to go into the world and to proclaim peace and to be transparent about the fact that they're Christians. That's all. He talks about judgment that might be enacted, but he doesn't say, go out and preach fire and brimstone. He says, cure the sick. Here at St. Mark's, we're really good at curing the metaphorical sick. We dedicate ourselves to causes. We are always doing this part of Jesus' commands, working to make the world better. That part we got. But when I think about evangelism, I know that the curing of the sick is the easy part, however difficult it might seem. Because the sick are only cured with God's help. We're never going to perfect this world without his intervention and support. We can and we should throw ourselves against intractable problems again and again with prayer and hope, and sometimes we win. But that's a difficult task, we know. We're very familiar with this, right? 
Every marathon has its own challenge. Every marathon leaves you with swollen legs and bloody toes. But if you're a marathon runner, you know about that, right? Like, you're prepared. You're ready for your toenail to fall off. It's fine. Not a big deal. The difficult and sometimes unfamiliar part is confessing. And I say confessing here not as in confessing a sin, but as in confessing your deepest principles. It's not embarrassing to look people in the eye here in church and say, God loves every human being, and God loves you specifically. And I work for social justice because I believe it's my holy duty to do so. I work to make this world more perfect, to bring us a little bit closer to the kingdom of God on earth. And whatever you believe, I, I don't, it doesn't matter that much to me, but just know that I hope that I do see you there in that kingdom of God. But that's a lot to say to your friend who doesn't go to church or your friend who isn't a Christian. And sometimes it feels like confessing a sin when you're out in the world. I don't, I don't know if this ever happens to anybody else, right? But like, who's really, who buys that, right? Like, who, who's really motivated by Jesus to do these things, right? Who thinks that God is their creator and leader? Come on, right? We live in New York City. It's 2019. I buy it. I hope you buy it too. And we have to say it just as much as we have to cure the ills of this world. Because if we don't, then other people will come and represent us as Christians. And they will enforce the dichotomy of good and evil. And they will enforce in-groups and out-groups. And they will read that bit about Tyre and Sidon and Chorazin and Bethsaida. And they'll use it as a stick to beat people with. And we won't be there to say, no, 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 actually, we didn't. that's not what it means. God loves everyone. When I think about evangelism, I think about Kylan, my friend, the president of the Christian Club. Kylan was always clear about one thing. He believed that I was a child of God. Now, a high school student today would probably go, yes, and, because that's not like a rousing statement of allyship, you know? I mean, he wasn't really marching in the streets for gay rights. In fact, I'm pretty sure that he opposed gay marriage. But at that time and in that place, to say that I was a child of God and to really mean it was deeply profound. Until that time, plenty of people had tried to convert me. And they'd always started off with, you're going to hell. Kylan was wise enough to know that he's not the arbiter of that. Neither am I. Neither is any other human being. And so the truest thing he could do, the thing he did do, the thing we should do, is to stick with, I believe God loves you and you have a place in the kingdom of heaven and I hope I see you there. In that much, we can be confident. One of the many, many books Kylan gave me in high school was Jesus with Dirty Feet by Don Everts. Now, I would not describe myself overall as a big fan of Don Everts' work, but there's one quote in this book that really stuck with me my whole life. Jesus' salvation clearly has nothing to do with earning a halo and wings by not smoking or cussing. If we take Jesus seriously, as I do, 
We can't leave evangelism to the people who would seek to turn Jesus' beautiful message into a legalistic matter of smoking or cussing or having any particular kind of sex or expressing gender in any particular way or of being any particular type of person to people who have the hubris to believe that they have special knowledge of God's plan for mankind and seek to impose it on others. To quote Paul, even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. Go out in the world. Find people. Find all kinds of people. Do good things for them. Then, tell them the kingdom of God is near. And if they don't listen, don't worry about it. It's not your responsibility. As humans, we can only see glimpses of the face of God. Facets, partial reflections through the glory of creation. I see God in my agnostic mother and my atheist father. I see God in the horror of wildfire and the beauty of a new dawn. I see God in my dog. I see God in this church gathered today. But one of the first places I ever knowingly saw God was in Kylan's face when he told me that he prayed for me, even though at the time I didn't believe it could possibly be efficacious. I hope that he saw God in me. And I hope that in sharing your faith with others, whether or not they ever come to believe, you'll have the same experience. Amen.